0: Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you know what a leader's most important job is. And if you think it might be sales or vision, according to our guest today, that's wrong. Our guest is Seif Kafagi, And he is the founder of TechVestor, and he previously worked at Facebook. He shares with us his point of view on what a leader's most important job is and gives us some practical tips on how we can get better at it. Seif is a techie turned real estate investor who's helped thousands diversify into real estate after spending nearly five years at Facebook. He's syndicated acquisitions totaling more than $100 million while designing and developing more than 25 properties. Today, he's the founder of Techvester which helps real estate investors and busy professionals passively invest in the emerging asset class of short-term rentals. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Seif Kafagi. My name is
1: Seif Kafagi. I'm the CEO and founder over at Techvester and techvestor.com. We run a short-term rental fund for passive investors who want to get into the world of quote-unquote Airbnb as we all know it, but don't want to do the work or put in the energy or deal with guests and don't want to put up a $250,000 check, our minimum is $25k. So we're making an asset class store, that it's been hard to enter a little bit more accessible for most.
0: Wonderful. Well, we're going to dive into that here in a little bit. But what I thought would be fun to talk about is how you got into TechFester and creating this. So give us a little background about where you started in the tech world and kind of what led up to here.
1: Yeah. So I was, I'll actually take us back to our college days. I was at San Diego State back in the day. I had started a small little company helping people essentially beat the interview, right? How do you, you're a college student. I was focusing at the time on computer science and, you know, how can you get into Facebook or Google or, you know, some of these high-flying tech companies and how do you actually beat those interviews and college students aren't really taught how to do well in interviews. And it was a nice little niche on campus. And it was something that was a strength of mine back in the day. We were doing pretty well, well enough, where Facebook meta these days, they're known, called and said, Hey, how about you stop helping people beat our interview and come internally and help recruit them? So it was an offer at the time that was exciting. They were growing. It was a team that had 89 people when I first joined for our infrastructure team. And we ended up taking that team from 89 to over 1,100 people over the next few years. Building a company, as I like to call it, they thought it was called building a team. But everything broke many times over. It was a fun experience. While I was there, we did a lot of traveling, mostly to open up new offices and, you know, a lot of recruiting activities, and stayed in a bunch of Airbnb's. And we were like, "Why is this so bad?" And when we dug into the data and dug into the market, especially when COVID came around, right? Naturally, where people were trying to like break out, right? Like go. Go places, experience, like what did things, what things happen? We recognize that in multifamily, as an example, 24% of assets are held by institutions. In single family, 2.4% are held by institutions. And in short-term rentals specifically, which is a niche within the niche itself is held less than 1% of institutions. That means 99% of short-term rentals are owned by non-institutional partners. And for us, we're like, well, that could be why this could be better. So we developed a technology platform that allows us to find and acquire these homes. That's proprietary to us. We built an incredible team, which I know we're going to talk about today. We got into this asset class because we saw so much opportunity. And so far, it's been incredibly fruitful. We just closed on our first fund, $36 million later. And we are starting Fund2 here in the next few weeks.
0: Really, really incredible there with what you've done and built. And one of the pieces that I was interested in talking through is how you recruited so many people not only when you were at facebook but certainly for your own growing enterprise here and our primary audience tends to be either business leaders of small to mid-sized businesses where they are in a growth phase or in franchising where people are recruiting and bringing franchisees in and so relevance of finding quality and great people i'd just love to hear if you have any Tips, tricks, suggestions, ideas that you would be comfortable sharing?
1: I mean, I think the first thing might even be an obvious one that people have heard plenty of times, but as a leader, you always have to be recruiting, right? And I think people often mistake the small business owner or growth minded business owner as someone who's always got to be selling and growing revenue. I disagree. I think you always have to be recruiting and hiring people who can grow revenue. It's a first step in between where you want to get to from, from a numbers perspective. You know, I spend probably Thirty to fifty percent of my time just thinking about our organization, our design, our, our org design, people that we're missing, where we have a risk in our organization, where if we can lower that risk, who we need to hire, how do we go find them, and then I think you got to go put in the work. You know, like we certainly work with recruiting partners on an external basis, but you know, you'll catch me on LinkedIn, you know, sliding to those DMs, and you know, my team has a running joke: I'm the DM king because I recruited each and every one of them individually, specifically. Because I slid into their DMs in one way or another, whether it was via Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn or in person or referral or something, or I got onto their podcast and I was like, hey, Tom, you should consider joining us. Right. A big strategic advantage we have is the caliber of talent we have. I saw this firsthand while I was at Facebook. You know, I think Facebook was able to grow to be as successful as it was. Certainly because of its product, but more certainly, definitely because of the people that were there and the level of people you're working with. And so while we were at Facebook, you know, going from 89 to over 1,100 people, it was not an easy feat. In fact, everything that you thought worked would break within the next 90 days because of the growth, right? Your interview process doesn't need to change. You needed to get buy-in, right? From other people to interview, right? You're going from doing 10 interviews a week to... A hundred, right? And, you know, if, if not more than that. And how do you get buy-in from people, especially from, you know, engineers who are like, Hey, I'm here to focus on code and build and product. And you got to help them understand that people are important people on their team. And, you know, I think one thing you learn as a leader very quickly is, you know, if you're feeling a lot of pain because you're overwhelmed with work and you need help. You feel that pain very obviously and then all of a sudden you start to prioritize recruiting, start to prioritize people, right? But naturally, everyone thinks they can do it themselves until at some point there's a breaking point. And that's a total normal kind of journey as you kind of get there. A couple other hacks we had was we built from the inside out. And what I mean by this is many people think about hiring more entry level immediately and then figuring out who to hire senior leaders later. We took a opposite approach is hiring senior leaders first and we don't focus at all on entry-level talent for uh, for really. And the reason for that is because as a small team, you know we're team 27 between contractors and full-time, is we needed to focus on people who could come in and own their domain very quickly, easily, efficiently, with less dependencies on other people. And I think as a leader, you really need to understand org design is when you hire one person, that person likely has a dependency on somebody else or another team. And what does that look like? And does that team have the resources, support, and knowledge to support this person? Or is the dependency going to continue to be there? Because you start to create friction, right, very quickly. And org design is very, 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 very important. I encourage anyone who hasn't an actually had a chance to read into org design, Google it, read an org design. There's a bunch of great books out there in org design and blogs, and articles, and podcasts, and org design is an art. It is a science as well, and you need to understand as a leader what you need to bring to your organization.
0: That's a really interesting point about org design and focusing on that. So to someone that's maybe launching a new franchise organization or maybe a growing mid-market enterprise that's expanding, What suggestions? I mean, you said read some blogs and books. Is there any one particular resource or two that maybe stood out to you or was helpful for you as you went through this?
1: Yeah, and people may not love my answer here. Go copy your strongest competitor. And I I think this is the McDonald's analogy, right? So McDonald's has a real estate strategy, which is very simple. They find the best possible real estate they can buy on some corner or corner where they can get enough traction, domain where that property makes a lot of sense right? For that, for that location to open, right? Tying it into the world of franchises. And you may know this as well, Tom, but what the Burger King strategy is, is I'm going to get that corner across the street, right? And, you know, and then you see these people kind of coming in. I live in California, right? Where, you know, we have our in n Outs and our Chick-fil-A's. And what you often see with those types of restaurants is like, things start to pop up around them because they have a huge cult following, right? A follow of people who love their product, McDonald's alike. A lot of franchises have this, but I think we can all agree that there are some that have a a tier above, right? Some some of the others. And, you know, we look at that in the same way when we look at hiring people, right? I want to go hire, you know, our most recent hire. He was previously the head of revenue at a competitor of sorts, not a direct competitor, but an indirect competitor who drove revenue for 38,000 homes, right? In this space. And that's someone that I want on my team. Right, he's proven, he's experienced. I'm like, how do I go get him? And also, here's a tip: overpay for great talent. I'm telling you right now, overpay for great talent. I can't tell you how often I see leaders and organizations not land a candidate because of 20 grand, and I'm like, amortize that out over the next twelve months or over the next three years, where this person is going to is going to add a lot of value to you and your organization. By far. A horrible decision for you to let them go. Secondly, overpay them with performance bonuses, right? And I, and you might be like, why are you bringing up compensation? Because at the end of the day, compensation matters. People need to understand this, right? Especially in the leadership board, everyone always loves to you know talk about culture and our mission, and those things are very important. Don't get me wrong. And fit, but people care about what they're making. It is a thing at the end of the day, and we got to respect that. We got to understand that. We got to play the game the way it was intended to be played, right? Everyone on my team has a performance incentive plan where if they could do X, they're going to get Y. Right. We're incredibly ROI driven. Tie your team, tie your organization to the bottom line in every possible way you can. It makes things incredibly easier, formulaic. People come in, they know where they're at, but overpay for great talent, be the Burger King to someone's McDonald's, right? Those are the types of things that I think people will recognize. And you don't need to reinvent the wheel. But I guarantee you, most that most times, especially perhaps in the franchise world, you're not really reinventing wheel. You're really taking an existing concept of sorts, putting it somewhere else, maybe making it a little bit better in some way. Right. But a lot of the same foundation that was successful over here is likely is going to be successful over here. Now, can you replicate it? Are you going to do the work? Are you going to go find and hustle and grind and do those types of things? You know, those are the things that typically we're going to separate a few people.
0: I like how you are talking about McDonald's real estate play and companies like Chick-fil-A and these other organizations that are out there doing it. And this ties back to TechFestor with what you're doing. There are many clients that we work with and a lot of franchises out there that don't have a real estate play. So segue back to you. How can you maybe help fill the void for a potential real estate investment with what you're doing with Techvester? Yeah, you know,
1: we're solving the problem of, hey, I'm invested in, you know, maybe I have my own asset, maybe I'm invested in a REIT, maybe I'm invested in multifamily. And then people know about Airbnbs, they use Airbnbs, but they've never considered it as an asset class to go invested in short-term rentals because it really hasn't been made available in an easy way, right? The old school way of getting in short-term rentals is, I have a second home, usually is how it starts, right? Or a vacation home. I'm going to rent it down on Airbnb from time to time. I'm going to do everything myself until I burn out because you will burn out. It's a lot of work, pricing, running it, guests, everything. It is a job, right? And you're going to find out why Airbnb hosts on average turn every 17 months because it is a job unless you're doing it, you know, the correct way. So then eventually you're going to hire a property manager. They're going to take a bunch of your revenue because they're going to take it off the top as they should because it's a lot of work, but. Now you have an asset that you've put in a quarter million dollars into, and it's maybe not generating the best possible yield. It's not diversified. It's not tax advantage in the best possible ways, et cetera. We flipped that model on its head and we said, hey, short-term rentals should be passive, should be diversified. When you invest with us, you're a shareholder in a hundred plus properties in our portfolio, so you get a little bit of seasonality, beach towns, mountain towns, metros, all those things, 25 grand, all the tax benefits of direct ownership, none of the work, no guests, no toilets, Those are actual things that happen. And more importantly, we're a team that focuses exclusively on this space, on this niche. And it's not your job, it's our job to ensure that the portfolio is doing well. And most importantly, our performance is tied to the performance of that portfolio as a general partner. And so we always want to make sure we align incentives. So we flipped on on its head, built our own proprietary technology to go out and identify 100,000 homes a month we want to underwrite, which by the way, 94% of the time they suck right? So we want to focus our energy on the top uh, percentile of homes. These are all tools, resources that we have that your average user never had and never would have because 75% of people who own an Airbnb own one, 95% of them own three or less, right? And so because of that, you're never going to get the element of scale. So we are becoming the institutional partner in this space. And we want to become that kind of go-to in that space as well.
0: Really interesting. Well, this is a great time for us to transition in the show where we ask every guest before they go the same four questions. The first question we like to ask is, have you had a miss or two in your journey and career and something you learned from it?
1: Yeah, you know, I think one of the initial misses that I think I I take it back to is early in my career, I was a very, very strong individual contributor. I grew through the ranks very quickly as an IC. And when I transitioned to management, I assumed everyone could perform like I did at the time. And this is oftentimes what you see in organizations: is people who are really strong at their role individually transition into management, and then there's this friction of why can't you just do what I used to do, <laughs> right? And so I needed to reposition my thinking, and I didn't do so immediately. This was actually a big hurdle for me at the time, which is. Putting my educator hat on and be like, how can I go up level and upskill other people? Because even though that is the longest, hardest path to success versus me just stepping in and doing it myself, that is the most scalable path, right? As an org leader, right? And you have to think about what's scalable. You can do everything, but you can't do everything at the same time. And if you want to be in a growing business, you're going to have to learn how to teach, grow and skill people over those over time periods.
0: Well, let's talk about a make or two. You've already shared some throughout this, but I'd love for you to talk about a make or two along the way.
1: You know, the first one I think was getting a mentor, right? Like one of my early mentors when I was at Facebook was someone that I never expected to be a mentor, first and foremost. And he was someone that I had looked up to as someone who had grown through the ranks. We actually butted heads a lot. And I thought that was a reason you would never become a mentor of mine, but it was actually the exact reason I would seek him out to be a mentor. And that was a huge win for me in my career, because I got to understand the almost the opposite way of doing things and understand a collective perspective, of, you know, XYZ can happen in XYZ way too and still work. Right. And that gave me a little bit more of a well rounded picture. And I think for me being more open at the time, again, I was young, right? I joined, I joined Facebook at 23. Right. And so for me, it was a ride of a lifetime in many ways. And I'm coming into 23, you know, like, you know, egotistical as a young kid, landing a giggle like this, getting paid what I was getting paid. And I was like, this is going to be fun. Right. And then all of a sudden I walk into an environment and I'm like, wow, everyone here is smarter than me. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, oh my God, right. Like I got, I got to step my game up. And that's why I'm talking about like the level of talent, but also like recognizing that you aren't the smartest person in the room. And being able to go up to someone who you believe is smarter than you in some domain and being like, hey, you're smarter than me at this. Can you show me this? Can you teach me this? Can you, know, can you help me get through this? I think is recognizing those opportunities. And I did that very early, right, in my career. And I think those are the things that would allow me to jump in many ways and learn the things that I jumped. And also just being in the room, right? The people who are sponges are oftentimes the ones that are invited to the room, right? Just being in the room half the time, right? is enough to gain so much knowledge that you just don't get anywhere else, right? But when you don't want to be a sponge, no one wants to invite the guy who thinks he knows everything into the room. So that's a huge way of understanding the emotional intelligence and the EQ of how humans work.
0: Yeah, that's great, great advice. Name of the show is Multiply Your Success. I'd love for you to talk about a multiplier you've used in growing. To no
1: surprise, it's going to be people. You know, I think hiring is a huge skill set of mine. Something that's been I've been really good at for a long time, and I think it's evident in the organization we've been able to build today. And people, at the end of the day, we will live, die, and breathe by them every single day. I can't tell you how many times I share appreciation to my team. Sabrina, my co-founder, does the same. Every leader in our team does this. We know how important it is for our team to feel appreciated and to grow and to have those resources and We can't do it without them. There is no way you will ever build anything massively successful in any type of way, being doing it all on yourself. Even if you're a one man or one woman business, you still need help and resources because you're probably relying on vendors or contractors or software providers or something. And I think multipliers, when people think about people, you don't have to be hiring a person internally. It could be a resource externally. It could be a software that allows you to scale faster. Or do things differently. Those are all ways of multiplying you yourself, right? And at some point, humans make a lot of sense to do so as well.
0: The final question we ask every guest before they go is, "What does success mean to you?"
1: I'm a new dad, you know. So I have two kids, two under two, two boys, and success to me simply means the ability to spend as much as untethered time with them as I can, you know, while they're growing up. But it, specifically, as they get older, to be able to be involved. Right. I was in a position where my dad was a lot older when he had me. And naturally, when I was in a position to have kids, I wanted to have kids as young as I could. And then I thought I'd actually have more kids at this point than I do. I mean, I'm 30 and two kids. I thought I'd be 25 and three kids and all that. I mean, we we were all, we're all delusional when we're younger, right? You know, I wanted to be available and I saw how hard my dad worked back in the day to be able to provide three jobs and every single thing. you know we're putting in the work now, but success to me is spending time with my family. It's, it's it's really that simple. Health, wealth comes with that and family.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Well, and Steve, before we go, is there anything you're hoping to share, or get across, you haven't had a chance to yet?
1: Thank you for having me on the show. You know, I think a lot of people who are business owners and are looking for things like franchises or operating franchises, you're typically a little too busy to uh, invest in your own thing. So if you're looking for exposure in the short-term rental asset class and there's not many competitors out there. We hope you'll give us a shot and talk to our investor relations team. We'd be happy to educate you there.
0: And what's the best place for someone to connect if they're interested in learning more?
1: You can check us out at TechVestor.com. request to book a call with someone on our team. We have a bunch of resources. We'll send you all of our information. We, we lead with education first, and we want to make sure it's a good fit for both of us.
0: Steve, thank you so much for a fantastic interview today. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Seif described what a leader's most important job is, which is what we titled the show after. It is, as a leader, you must always be recruiting. That's your number one job. Not just revenue focus, not just marketing, not just leading or providing vision. It's always be recruiting. And I even thought it was interesting how he talked about how he's always doing it, even on podcasts that he's interviewed on or pinging people on LinkedIn directly just to see if they might have an interest. I thought that was great that he's living that and showing that. Takeaway number two is he provided a few ideas to help build out your plan for recruiting and to be more effective and better at it. He said, first step is build an organizational chart and build an org design of where you want to grow to and start thinking about how you're going to fill those positions. He also said to go copy your strongest competitor. Do you have a competitor in your field that might be worth imitating for some of the things that they have going on? And the last suggestion he gave was to overpay for great talent and do so with performance bonuses. That way then you're able to tie your team and their compensation to the bottom line so that their interests and the company's interests are aligned. Takeaway number three is when he talked about a miss that he had in his career, and he said that he grew as an individual contributor based upon his individual talent and drive and success, and that eventually led to promotions. And when he became a leader and a manager, he had this assumption that other people would have the same drive and skill and motivation. And what he realized is that they don't. And so he said, if you want to be growing a business, you need to learn how to teach. And I thought that was just a great takeaway, which ties back to that always be recruiting. You're constantly teaching and finding and coaching these folks as they come into your system. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win comes when Seif shared about his multiplier, and probably to no surprise, it's this idea of people, of hiring and finding great people. And he said, you cannot grow anything of size or have any sort of success without other people involved. And so I think when you bring these great people in and you provide them the opportunity that they're looking for, it's gonna be a win for you, a win for your business, big win for them to be a supporting and contributing member of this growing team, and all the while creating greater opportunity for all of those involved. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.